Yo, yo, yo. What up? Welcome to Belonging for Believing. <laughs> Where if you roll your own cigarettes, you're getting the stink eye. I'm Patrick Mathers, the pastor of Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. Biggity, biggity, Brian Gumpy. What's up, BG? Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> that was shooting from the hip, too, just so you know. Brian Gumpy is my co-pastor or elder at Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship. Indeed I am. And he, I left him speechless, which is <laughs> not easy to do well, most already, of the time. I was already uh, laughing at the way he said, blogging. <laughs> Or something. I don't know. I feel like you left out four syllables. Blogging. I feel like you left out four syllables along the way, and I just yeah. I just they probably weren't important syllables. I knew what you meant. Hey, that's how smart people coin phrases. They just leave syllables out or add syllables and make up words. Smart people. You buying that? No. (laughs) Doggone. No. No. Yeah, geniuses. I feel like they add. It is the mark of genius to coin phrases, Brian. Who said that? You? Just right now. <laughs> Coining phrases, proving your point. Great. So it's not circular reasoning if you're doing it yourself. <laughs> you're actually getting me confused. I'm like losing a sense of what's real and what's I got not. You discombobulated. I'm, I'm mentally it's spinning. It's like a boxer, I'm, man. I just got you on the ropes. Uh, you do. <laughs> mentally, I'm on the ropes right now. So please, tell me about rolling your own cigarettes. Okay. So when I was in Wisconsin, <laughs> yes, the pastor there, who's one of the worst people I've ever known, nice. and I hope he listens, honestly, because He Tim, needs to hear it. Tim, you're an idiot. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, Tim is his name. Didn't you say it was like practically a cult? Yeah, no, totally was a cult. Tim Dodson. Anyways, this is his last name as well. <laughs> Google it. Yep, Google it. Menominee, Wisconsin. Go look it up. Anyways. So, I um, wish it was Antoine Dodson. <laughs> that's Tim. <laughs> Dude, him and his wife lived in a cabin that was carved out of the side of a hill. Like, half of it was dirt, and half of it was, like, a wooden cabin, like, built into this hill. And it was kind of sort of cool, because it was, like, actually, like, cool, like, temperature-wise. But then everything was dirty all the time. Anyways, Chumpy McGee, which well, I call you Chumpy McGee. I shouldn't call him that. Yeah, I'm offended by I, that. I like you. I don't like him. Great. So, <laughs> um, um, anyways, one day we. This is when I knew it was the beginning of the end for us. There is he. W- he would roll his own cigarettes, and he had <laughs> this big long red beard. And I said, cool. hey, do you ever accident? Yeah, I know, I know. You thought we'd hit, you think we'd hit it right off. Um, I said, hey, do you ever accidentally roll up a piece of your beard in there when you're rolling that up? And he stopped and he put that down and he looked at me and he told me, don't you dare ever make fun of me like that. Like all dead serious. Like I thought we were going to go to blows, which he's a skinny guy, but he's wiry. So I don't know who's going to win that one. But I was like legitimately like, oh, we've got to go. I think this is the end, is he couldn't take a joke like that. And so, anyways, if you're rolling cigarettes, you're getting the stink eye, which is the opposite of what actually happened. Because I was, like, trying to, I was trying to, like, be in the group, you know, and, like, Mm -hmm. crack wise and make jokes and stuff, and he wasn't having any of it. 
Dude, they're good at naming stuff out there. I'm on their church website, mm-hmm. and they have a coffee house that's called... Blind Munchies. The Blind Munchies, mm-hmm. which, by the way, new band name, Dibs. Mm-hmm. Um, and their radio is called Burning Dog Radio. Dude, he he is such a jerk that... So they you can smoke there, or at least this is back when we were there. You can smoke in that coffee house there. And he made... Well, yeah, my, it was like 1993. He, he made my wife work there, like while she was pregnant. She, and, and he said, you, you do not belong in this church. You're not Christians if you're not serving down there in that coffee shop. All right. Yeah. Anyways, just, he's maniacal, and I have no problem saying that. So avoid that church unless you're going to troll him. The staff page doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hey, but shout out to my good buddy, Steve Meyer. I love that guy. He was in that for, like, I don't know, eight or nine years or something. He was in that cult, and... Um, he got out and went to John Piper's church for a long time and he, it took him a couple of years to get things sorted out, but dude is loving Jesus and loving his family and growing, dude's doing so good, so good. So Steve, if you're listening, dude, love you, brother. Glad you're out of that nightmare. <laughs> I am. I'm glad he's out of it. I'm glad he's doing really good. <laughs> so yeah, I got no love for those guys. I can tell. <laughs> wow. Which kind of leads me to our discussion. You're going to be pulling out one of these like phrases from one of our Old Testament readings here in a minute. Like, hey, if I, ever, if I ever see this dude again, I'm going to burn down his house <laughs> with him in it. If I ever see him, it's going to be Nehushtan. Call back to the Samson episode. Yeah. Well, d- Nehush- well, we didn't get to that one yet, so I'll come back to that one. Okay. But, dude, that's not a good word. You don't want to get Nehushtaned. All right, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> You're looking at me like you want me to, like, challenge you. I won't. I won't. No, I'm not going there because we'll do it in an episode. Bro. Oh, good. Looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm going to wear a cup. <laughs> you almost had to when we started. <laughs> dude. Woo. All right, so tonight, dude, we're going to talk about not a good topic. Well... It could be. Hopefully, it, it will be encouraging at the end. But we're going to talk about depression. And depression is something that, at least in my experience in evangelicalism, is something that you don't talk about, you don't have, that no Christian goes through, that if you do, you just need to read your Bible and pray every single day, and it'll go away. And no kidding, that's like a little rhyme I heard that you're supposed to use when you're depressed. Wait, really? It was supposed to be a rhyme that you're supposed to... No, that was, that was a rhyme I heard. Read your Bible every day. Read your Bible and pray every single day, and the depression will go away. Like, that's a little ditty like I've heard pastors use from the pulpit. Like, th- this is what you need to do. In that old Calvary Chapel background, that's a bunch of crap, too. So, not everybody. Not all the churches. But there's enough that I, you know, I've had my experiences there. Uh... Can I say that on the air? Oh, you did. There's no going back now. <laughs> okay, yeah. My experience was that. And I, I have heard guys, okay, in all honesty, no, put the joking aside, that I have heard guys say that before. And I honestly bought into it hook, line, and sinker for years. I, I'm a pretty upbeat kind of guy. Although my wife might be one to say that I'm kind of bipolar sometimes. Are you talking you? about me right now? No, me. Would I be bipolar sometimes? No. My I, wife? Yeah. You're my podcast when wife? You, when you say your wife would say that, I mean, like I said, are you talking about me right now? Because, yes, I would vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'm pretty optimistic, but th- but I do go up and down, and I do am kind of bipolar sometimes. But I don't mean clinically been diagnosed. Bipolar. Yeah, I don't think I'm that. I no. just have my uh, my peaks. And you valleys. Have, yeah, peaks and valleys for sure. But then then my son died, and when my son died, for me it was something that the Lord strengthened me in and I got through and I was kind of the rock for our family. And my wife, though God ordained for her to go through this long period and series of depression. And it, it, it just, it was hard. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I still look back and kind of question how we got through it because it was hard. There was a lot of times where, and, and I was like for a long time, read your Bible, pray wife every single day and it'll go away. Like, I mean, maybe I didn't use those, you know, stupid little words, but that was my attitude Mm -hmm. and it was wrong. I want to read something real quick. This is from a pastor's wife and she went through depression and she says, you know, only the weak get overwhelmed and burned out. This is what she was thinking. Uh, Only Christians have bad, only Christians who have bad genes or have experienced real tragedy, get depressed. Ordinary Christians don't. I, I, if I'm depressed, I must be apostate because God has left me, and those are the ones who get depressed. There's no hope for me. Nothing, no one can fix me. Even if they could, I don't want to live without God because I'm apostate. Yet I don't know who he even is anymore. I don't know where he is. I don't see him anywhere. He left me. Will he ever rescue me or will I die in this despair? And, you know, that, that's when we went through it. My wife, she was in a lot of ways a, a crumbled heap. And, um, and I, it, 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 I didn't help. It took a long time for us to get through that and to for me to realize, you know, that um, the Lord has ordained this, the Lord has allowed her to be in this position, in this situation for her growth, for our growth, for his glory. And I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but depression came and, and hit us really, really hard. Yeah. Well, and I mean, yeah, it's even, I mean, my wife definitely went through a season in between Zoe or sorry, Charlie and Zoe where, yeah, I mean, and I'm talking like, is that like 15, 18 months or something like that? I'm not talking about like it was a hard month or something like that. Right. Um, yeah. And same thing and not, but, and I mean, I had spent a good deal of time with you and we had been plugged into a good church. And so I, I just can't imagine telling her like, Oh, well, here's this Bible go listen to some, you know, sermons on like tape when you're driving to work or whatever, and it'll probably just work itself out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I did. I said those kind of stupid things. (laughs) But we went through it for years. I mean, it's, and it still kind of comes and go in our house, goes in our house. Um, She's not over it. She's, you know, but she does go through seasons. And 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 frankly, I have more recently gone through seasons of this too. And she's been an encouragement to me in that. But I, hey, so to talk about this, I got um, this paper from a guy named Michael Lundy. Lundy, I think is Lundy's how you pronounce it. And it's five myths about spiritual depression. And rather than just reading the whole thing through, what I'd like to do is hit on these five myths 
and then for us just to talk about it. Because I think if we do that and just talk through these five myths, at least for the people who are listening to us, that'll be helpful. And if you want to, we can put a link in the show notes of on this paper and you could go look it up for yourself. I think it was from Core Christianity, which is Michael Horton's website. Oh, I don't have the link at the bottom. Shoot, I'll, I'll find it and we'll, we'll put it somewhere for people to look up if they want to. Um, but first of all, myth number one, it won't happen to me. Yeah, I, I, I think that this is so many, so many different things other than depression that Christians fall into the trap of thinking that just because you're a Christian, then you're not going to have problems. Like, I think the <clears throat> first thing that comes to mind after depression for this is divorce. I think a lot of Christians think like, oh, that would never happen to me. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, the way that, like, you could see some kids, you know, wayward, wayward kids that are, are raised in a, you know, wonderful Christian home and go to a great church. Maybe even they go to youth group or whatever else. And then when they get off to college, then, you know, they they just quit following the Lord. That could never happen to me or my kids. I, I could go on and on and on. I think Christians think far too highly of themselves or they just don't want to think about it. And this is just them, their way of living in blissful ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. Blissful ignorance is right. Uh, Psalm 30 says, I shall never be moved by your favor. O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong, right? That's the way a Christian should think, right? Mm-hmm. You made my mountain stand strong, Lord. But then he goes on to say, but then you hid for your face and I was dismayed. And some, uh, the truth is, is like it, we're talking, I mean, specifically that passage would be referring to Christians, but I think people in general, that we have the tendency and propensity to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And one of the things that we need to remember is that we, um, as people, are prone to all kinds of things that affect us. It might be chemically, it might be physically, it might be emotionally, spiritually, for sure. All of these things can affect us. There's no circumstantially, yeah. Oh my gosh, there's no one thing that makes you unsusceptible to something like depression. It's it could come right on you. It could be a, a fiery trial that comes on you really quick. It could be something that happens over a long, long period of time. Some people struggle with this for their entire lives. But first of all, it's a myth that it won't happen to you. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, what you said about how it could last for your entire life. Like, I feel like we could do an entire episode on just that sentence. Yeah. As the second myth, are you ready to move on? Yeah. Yeah, second yeah. myth is it's all in your mind. It's all in your mind. Just... You know, you just need to, that, and that's where the, if you read your Bible and pray every single day thing comes up is just, you need to change the way you're thinking. You're thinking bad thoughts. You need to think right thoughts. So read your Bible and that'll get the right thoughts in your head. But it's, it's frankly, it's not just all in our head. We, we've been created as beings that are multifaceted, that you know, we have an emotional makeup, like I said, a chemical makeup. We have a spiritual makeup. We have a physical makeup. Things happen to environmental things affect us. And so um, when our bodies, including our brains, are affected by certain stimulus, whether it's a circumstance that happens or whether it's a chemical trigger or something that happens 
in our environment around us, we can be prone to this. I mean, I've heard of people who just live in parts of the world where they don't see the sun for months and months on end. Yeah. Depression is, you know, a real, real danger in those particular areas. So one thing that you need to realize is it might, it's not all in your mind. You know, it, it can be um, a, all kinds of different situations and causes that, that bring, about, bring it about. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, you know, our, our minds, they're housed in our body, right? So they function in a in, um, mechanical way. And sometimes uh, because they're part of our body, another part of our body can be affected and ailing, and that causes our brains to react. And sometimes depression comes along because of that. Well, it's not like... And I feel like a lot of people, they must assume that God wouldn't mess with your mind that way. Uh, um, like some kind of ailment like that couldn't be from the Lord. But I mean, gosh, we're okay with cancer being that way. I mean, okay. I use that term loosely. Like we're not okay with it. But I mean, we we can we can understand that God's sovereign in that, um, that he even caused that to happen. Um, I mean, being born with all kinds of deformities and all kinds of other things. So, but for some reason, it seems like the mind is off limits, even mm-hmm. to God, that anything that happened there, you know, it's not something that he's doing with purpose. So I, I had a Christian one time tell me that she didn't believe that a Christian could have Alzheimer's huh. and that a Christian couldn't have dementia because we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so therefore, if we're in our Bibles and we're spiritual and we're praying, God won't give us an affliction that affects our minds like that. So she had said and made that comment that Alzheimer's is not from the Lord. And so I started naming some pretty you know, powerful spiritual people that have died recently who have Alzheimer's or had dementia and she said, well, there must have been something else going on there. And her implication was that they had some kind of secret sin. And this woman is not a charismatic word of faith preacher. She's somebody who we would say is in our tribe or in our camp. Mm-hmm. And um, But yet she really believed that God wouldn't allow this to happen. And so I, I see that as a huge danger. And I kind of you know, wonder, boy, maybe she's going to go through it someday because... That was you know, my first thought too. Yeah. I would be terrified to say something like that out loud for that reason. Yeah. Not that I'm superstitious or anything. But. Well, myth, myth number three is that I definitely don't need medication. I definitely don't need medication. Um, but you said it earlier, God, you know, we wouldn't see somebody who just has cancer or, you know, I have asthma or, you know, something is you know, that that's somehow your sin, right? You know, it's just medically speaking, our bodies were fallen. And so we have fallen things happen to our bodies. We're all going to die. We can't avoid it. And some of it is a result of, you know, these, these major physical ailments. And when we look at those things, none of us would have a problem with somebody going, getting chemotherapy, you know, or getting a blood transfusion or that kind of thing. So why would we say it here in this case, if it's a genuine medical condition, which 
It is. I was going to say they aren't willing to acknowledge that it is a medical condition. Yeah, but it I is. Think, I think the people who would say that you shouldn't take medication for this are refusing to acknowledge as a medical <clears throat> condition and that they chalk it all up to a spiritual condition. Right, and they're wrong. Right. No, <laughs> I totally agree yeah. with you, yeah. not them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it, you medication is a good and helpful thing. And sometimes people take it for a short period of time, six months, a year, to get them recombobulated, <laughs> um, chemically speaking, in their brain. Uh, sometimes people need to take it for the rest of their lives to varying degrees, you know, sometimes small doses, sometimes bigger. But um, going through and talking about these kind of things, too, when you're, you have this depression does help along with medication. And I think that's where, as Christians, we need to be sensitive and want to show grace because we're going to have those people around us in our Bible studies, and they might be afraid to say anything because they've heard, read your Bible and pray and it'll go away kind of thing, when the truth is that it, that's the place where you should be free to be most open and honest and receive the most comfort and help, encouragement, from other Christians around you saying, even if I don't understand the specific thing you're going through, I understand you're going through it, and I love you, and I want to help walk through it with you. Well, and I think that's why you and I were both so eager to get this episode out there. It's not because we love talking about it, but because we know that, I mean, I don't want to think too highly of ourselves, but that we're not particularly normal it doesn't seem definitely not popular in uh, in what we believe on this subject, and I mean that's a huge, huge bummer to anybody who's going through this these types of conditions. Where, like, like you said, I mean you're, they're not willing to be open, they're not willing to talk through some things that they're struggling with in a church setting, which, like you just finished saying, that would be so helpful to them if they could. But I mean because of the stigma that. So many of so much of depression and other kind of mental health issues that have attached to them, uh, they're just not willing to go there. Yeah, well, which and, does not help. Right, right, and and what which kind of leads me to the third one is there's nothing I can do is mm-hmm. the fourth myth, which that kind of thinking leads somebody to that conclusion. Then there's nothing I can do. Right, I'm I'm stuck. This is who I am forever. Or there's n- I just have no hope. When the reality is, is that we we do have hope, and you you might not have it in the moment. You might just need to rely and lean on people who do have that hope, to bring you along and help you see that there is light at the end of that tunnel. I mean, Paul said, in you know when he was um, beaten and tortured and all those kind of things that he's you know beat down, but he's not destroyed. You know, and yet he, when we look at his life, we can see there were clearly periods where it certainly looked like he went through um, depression um, and discouragement and dismay. I think, you know, there at the end of his life in Second Timothy, when he says, you know, everyone has left me but you, I think there's some despair there. And uh, despair is an act of unbelief. It really is. And I understand that, so I'm not trying to say that, you know, you know, well, depression is sin. That's not what I'm saying. But definitely when we're in that frame of mind, 
we are prone to think things that probably aren't healthy. And that is where reading your Bible does help. It's not going to solve everything. It does help. And where you need to bring, you need other people around you to help. So you want to know something you can do, you can go out and seek help. Yeah. Um, it, it seek help from the church, you should. If you're not in a good church, if you're in a good church, I mean, if you can't go to your pastors, your elders, the people in your Bible study and talk openly about this, you're not in a good church. You need to find a place that's healthy where you're able to discuss these things freely and get understanding, get grace, and get help to get you through in this time of need. You can go to the Lord where sometimes, I'm going to be honest, depression is like God is gone. God has abandoned you. And so it's almost like you do need to rely on other people in order to get you through this. You can seek medical aid with um, therapists, and you can seek uh, medical aid for getting medication too. But there are things that you can do, you should do, and there are helps that are available to you. Like you said, you have there. we do have hope. And it made me think of uh, Psalm 42. And it's funny because you read verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O oh God. And, you know, they made a song about of it or out of it. And, you know, you'll see it on these paintings. And there's a cute little deer who's sipping from a babbling brook. It's very serene. Right. It's very nice. And then you read the rest of Psalm 42. <laughs> and if you want to talk about, like, the back and forth, if you want to talk about the highs and lows, if you want to talk about somebody who is struggling to have that hope, Twice in this psalm, you see the psalmist say, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. But I mean, I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but I mean, you read it, 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 it was not a serene scene when this guy put a battle. ink to paper yeah. on Psalm 42. Yes, it's very much, you know, him knowing the way that he should feel, but he doesn't feel that way. My tears have been my food day and night, all the day long. They say to me, where is your God? And on and on and on. But And then he keeps coming back to himself. Why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. He knows that he's cast down. He's not trying to hide the fact that he's cast down. He knows he shouldn't be that way. And he's just continually telling himself, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And he does have that confidence. He does have that hope. But there is definitely some sense of despair as you read through Psalm 42 as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's all, it, there's lots of other places in Scripture too. Tons. Which brings me to the fifth myth, and we'll close up with this, is that you're not alone. There's a myth that comes with depression where you feel like you're alone. There is nobody who understands. There's nobody here with me. There's nobody who could even grasp what I'm going through. The truth is there are lots of people around you probably going through similar things that you don't even know about because they're thinking the same things and nobody wants to say anything. Nobody wants to be the first one to, you know, um, crack that ice, but it, it needs to be cracked. And sometimes it just comes in opening up and being open and honest. And, you know, anyway, you got something there. I was just thinking when you're talking about how everyone around you is thinking the same thing, one of the things that I've had to say the most when I counsel people, I mean, regardless of why they need the counsel, but so much of the time I'm sitting there and I'm telling them, I hate to break it to you, you're normal. 
Yeah. And I say that, you know, in a couple different, with a couple different things in mind, but I mean, for the most part, it's to let yourself off the hook. Like you're struggling with something that plenty, most people in a lot of these cases where I'm counseling somebody, not all, but what most people deal with this. And, uh, it, I don't want to give them false hope that there's a magic pill. I know that's a bad example to use right now, but I don't want to give false hope that for sure this is something that you are going to see, you know, a hundred percent of a fix there. There are going to be things where, you know, sometimes you're going to, to get your medication right, or you're going to go through seasons where things are going really well. And then something's going to happen and there's going to be a turn. Hopefully it's temporary. Hopefully it's short, but I mean, things, this is not a linear uptick. This is undulations, you know? Um, and, and I feel like there's power in knowing that that's normal, that you are a lot like your brothers and sisters in that way as well. Um, because like you said, no, nobody wants to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, for us, when we're counseling somebody or talking with somebody, and listener, if you've struggled with depression, we, we want you to hear this, where you hear us talking, we're acquainted with it in certain degrees. Our wives are acquainted with it even more than that. But Christ um, was made and tempted in all points as we are, and yet without sin. And we know Christ went through some serious sorrow and depression in his life. It says that he was a man of sorrow and well acquainted with grief. There's nothing that you're going through where if you feel like you're alone that Christ hasn't gone through himself and where I am going to come to the end of my knowledge and my ability to help and to counsel, Christ never does. And that's not a read your Bible and pray, put a Band-Aid on it, fix. It's the only hope any of us have. And so while we know and understand and believe the things that you're going through and would love to walk through them with you and be here for you and to help you get the help that you need or um, any of those kind of things. Ultimately, at the end of the day, our hope is found in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And there's nobody who knows what you're going through better than he does. Yeah. Got anything else over there? I Not as far as depression goes. I mean, not without turning this into another you two know, hours, two hours. Yeah. yeah. We, we'll just come back and talk, talk about it again another time, I think. Yeah. Hey, do you want to do a light question? This will maybe counter out the deep topic that we've talked about. <laughs> sure. What's your favorite way to waste time? Oh, my favorite way to waste time. Honestly. Yeah. Honestly, lately it's just been two dots. Dude, I love two dots. It's a game. It's a. Mm-hmm. It's an app. Um, I'm so glad you turned me on to that game. Did I I'm did? Didn't I? Yeah, yeah. You're the oh, one that you're showed me. It. Way ahead of me. Yeah. 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 I'm on level like eight sixty seventy five or oh, something like that. Oh, I'm now. like on sixteen fifty or something. Yeah, like you're that. Yeah. you're like twice yeah. as far as I am. Yeah, but but that is not okay. That is a fun way to waste time. That's not my favorite. My favorite way is Pokemon Go. <laughs> I play Pokemon Go. It's okay. I play it all the time. I like it. It's fun. Um, it's it's just a way that I can go kill a few 
you know, hours if I got nothing to do or on my way to somewhere to somewhere, I can stop somewhere and yeah, it, it's, it's, I'm stupid for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I'd be lying if I said I hadn't logged some hours in Pokemon Go too. It's been a while though. But I love my wife and yes, it's been at least a year. Dude, I like your wife and she played for a while. She needs to get back on it. I don't know if I believe that that's true. But <laughs> So, listener, what's your favorite way to waste some time? And, and listen, if you feel completely alone, if you feel like you have no hope, if you feel like you can't even get out of bed some days... Because you can't think of a reason why. I genuinely, genuinely believe that you belong. Amen.